based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election, and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. Who would have guessed? The guy that wanted to prosecute parents for going to a school board meeting is investigating the former president because he's running for president again. My God, this country is lawless. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to Weekend Update from high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, they sure didn't waste any time with this one, did they? The president's announcement is not even a week old, and they've already announced, you guessed it, another investigation. No doubt, this investigation will conclude that President Trump incited an insurrection and is therefore unqualified to run for president under the 14th Amendment. Anyone want to lay any money on that? Yeah, I didn't think so. But what this does show you is the Democrats know that they can't win a presidential election fair and square. Not after they've completely trashed the entire country, the economy, and tried to start a war with Russia. What they can't do fairly, they will do by force. Which, depending on how you look at it, that may have been what they did with the 2020 election. Oops, I forgot. The 2020 election was the most secure in the history of this country. Yeah, right. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to another installment of Weekend Update. In a few minutes, as promised, I'm going to play for you the interview with David Bossy. Before we get there, though, some completely outrageous self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps. iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden, and you have no idea how you're going to get yourself elected, well, I really can't help you with that one. But you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and figure out why it's probably not going to happen again, unless they seriously monkey with this election. Weekend Update is brought to you by The Winget Food Truck. They make the most amazing hot wings in the state of Wyoming. And not just hot wings, they have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. To figure out where that truck is going to be, go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab and you'll find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where those amazing hot wings are going to be. In a few hours... The Wyoming House Republican Caucus is going to choose the next Speaker of the House. 
That vote is happening around 9 a.m. today in Casper. I'd love to be able to record the whole affair for you, but this is some super-secret squirrel stuff. They're not even letting anyone hang out in the lobby and wait for them. And certainly, they're not going to let me in the front door until the whole thing is over. The truth is, it's probably going to be a pretty close vote between Albert Somers and Representative Mark Jennings. As I've told you, Albert Somers is the textbook definition of a Democrat that can't spell. Mark Jennings, on the other hand, has a solid conservative voting record. You might say that his voting record reflects the values of most Wyoming citizens. But it's going to be a close one. Jennings will probably prevail by two or three votes. At least that's where the smart money's at. The way this whole thing ought to work is since the Republicans have a supermajority in the Wyoming legislature, whomever they choose to be the speaker will end up being the speaker when it comes to a vote on the floor. So if all things were equal, even if the Democrats voted for somebody else to be the speaker of the House, they wouldn't have enough votes to override the Republican majority. But this is no ordinary year, my friends. Wyoming citizens spoke loudly and clearly to those jokers in Cheyenne and showed them that we do want a more conservative legislature. Many, many incumbents were sent home packing, and we have a whole crop of new Republican freshmen that are very conservative and very much interested in liberty, which is exactly the opposite of what all those redcoats in the House are normally interested in. The way the election worked out is the Freedom Caucus doubled in size. And so, instead of the 18 or so votes that the Freedom Caucus had last session, now they have closer to 30. And so the Redcoats see this as the gigantic threat to their power that it really is. So more likely than not, if the Redcoats are unsuccessful in their vote today to take out Representative Mark Jennings as the Speaker of the House, They'll probably get the Democrats to nominate somebody else and then try to win the speakership on the floor of the House. Imagine that. Republicans enlisting the help of the Democrats and letting them choose who the new speaker is going to be. That would be a pretty desperate move, though, because it would only take one member of the House to call for a recorded vote when they choose the speaker. And if they did that... It would be laid bare for all to see that the Democrats who can't spell are Democrats indeed. In any case, that's where my money's at. We'll just have to see what happens later today and what's going to happen on the first day of the session, January 10th. Last weekend, I had a chance to sit down with David Bossie. If you're unfamiliar with who he is, he was the co-campaign chairman of Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. He's been the president and CEO of Citizens United for 17 years. The reason you know that name is that they had to sue the Federal Elections Commission over campaign financing, and they won. Most recently, he's produced the film detailing Mark Zuckerberg's involvement in the 2020 election. The movie is called Rigged. If you haven't watched it yet, you should really go check it out. Basically, Mark Zuckerberg dumped $400 million into the 2020 election, most of which went to counties that were weighted very heavily Democratic. The worst part about all of that is in order for counties to get Zuckerberg's money, they had to agree to a whole bunch of terms and conditions. Ballot drop boxes, early voting, mail-in voting, all of it. So in other words, 
Zuckerberg bribed county clerks across this country to do what it is that he wanted them to do. And as you'll hear David Bossie say, 92% of that $400 million went to districts that were already heavily Democratic. Here's my interview with a man who helped engineer Trump's 2016 victory, David Bossie. David, welcome to Cowboy State Politics. My pleasure. Thanks for having me today. Um, you know, I, it's interesting um, when you say the 2020, you know, I, I, that I was an advisor to the president, I, you know, and I was, and I've known the president a, a long time. Uh, I really, uh, I got to know him in, in 2010, uh, long before he thought about running. Um, I helped him organize and create his campaign in 2015. Uh, and, and, and really have had the benefits and just been blessed to, to get to know him. I was the deputy campaign manager of the 2016, what we call the winning campaign. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, I've, and I've just got a, got a, a great opportunity to, to, to be in an incredible position for the four years of his presidency. Um, you know, I've, I've had a, a, an opportunity to do a lot of things. You know, I... I was the chief investigator for Congress back in the 90s uh, when Speaker Gingrich was there and uh, I helped uh, lead the impeachment of, of Bill Clinton, did, did all the investigations from Whitewater all the way through impeachment. Um, and then I got to uh, lead a Supreme Court case in Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission in 2010. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, been a, it's been a great ride in the conservative movement for me, and I've been incredibly blessed to participate at a very high level for a long time and, and survive it. One of the big questions I hear people ask um, when we're talking about the 2020 election is that you know, President Trump is probably the most successful businessman in the country, or at least one of them. Probably hired and fired a lot of people. He had a TV show where the, the, his main line was, you're fired. Mm-hmm. It just seems like he made a ton of bad hires. What would your response be to that? I mean, yourself excluded, of course. But. Well, actually, I didn't work in the 2020 campaign. Um, I just was a volunteer advisor, advisor uh, and his friend and flew around with him and, and, and helped him um, in that way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a. So in 2016, we, we, just to put it in context, in 2016, we ran a campaign that was, I, I, it was well, and it was about six of us, okay, and, the pre, and, and Mr. Trump and six of us and an airplane, okay. Um, it was pretty a remarkable thing. Um, and we ridiculed the bureaucracy that Hillary Clinton had. If you recall, she had 900 employees yeah. in Brooklyn, right in some office building somewhere. And they used to have a, you know, there were 12 people to approve a tweet, right? They had, they had bureaucracies of bureaucracies. It and it was crazily, it was enormously bad for her. And that's one of the reasons she lost. And, and, and the problem is that people lose sight of that four years later. And then they think that they need to build a big machine, and when big machines become comes big management becomes big bureaucracies, and it, it, you know it, it becomes a it becomes fraught with peril and errors, uh, and people are there to protect and are protecting themselves and are protecting their 
their people instead of doing the right. I mean, when there was only six of us, easy to manage. It was easy. It was easy to manage, um, and it, it was pretty incredible. Twenty twenty. Um, you know, I, I don't know about bad hires. I think it was just. He, the president was so busy trying to do his job as president, he he didn't have the the time to be able to, you know, manage a campaign as well. Um, and that's that's just a fact. You know, he's trying to manage world affairs. He's trying to get us out of COVID. He's trying to get the economy back going again. I mean, he's there's a lot of pressures, uh, and so he's uh, he, he he was he was very. Um, engaged but i think it wasn't you know his in in 2016 that was all he had that was the only thing he focused on was the campaign right i guess i should have mentioned that ken is sitting in with us go ahead ken yeah i just had a follow-up on that um when when david mentioned bad hires the first thing that came to my mind were some of the early cabinet positions and it seemed like maybe Maybe the president was trusting people around him and, and putting people in places that weren't vetted. Can you- well, those are two different things, um, David. I, I, my, I took from his question the 2020 campaign. Right. You're more reflecting on the administration. Right, I'm just expanding the yeah, question. Yeah, well, the, the administration. So it, it, there's very little debate that there were many bad hires in the administration. A lot of, um, of turncoats. And it, it ended up being incredibly bad. You had this anonymous guy who's a complete zero with no access who wrote a book titled Anonymous, and it was just ridiculous. The guy didn't know anything. Um, it, it is, you know, cabinet members, um, sub-cabinet, White House staff um, that weren't there in their minds to work for the president. They were there in their minds to save us from him. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. Um, and they created so much distrust and dissension within the ranks that it had an impact on his ability to be effective uh, as an effective leader. So, you know, um, I, I've told the president that if he gets reelected again, that it's, uh, you know, we're going to have to do it a little differently. And, Absolutely. and he completely understands that. So I have one more follow-up to that. I just heard you say a little bit ago that at one point he, quote, ripped your face off. Um, what's he really like? And the reason I ask that is because all we ever see from the press is one side of Trump. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I've known the president now to over 12 years. Um, my kids have grown up knowing him. Uh, it was It was very funny. We were... We were uh, with some. Mem- I was with the president a couple of days ago, and uh, Griff Jenkins with Fox News was there, and um, I was talking to Griff, and the president walked up, and Griff's like, uh, "Hey, Dave has a son named Griffin," trying to make small talk with the president, and the president's like, "Yeah, absolutely, I know Griffin. He's a great golfer, and he because my son has played golf with the president, and and my kids have just been incredibly." blessed and and how I got to know the president is a story I like to tell my son um, who's now 19 and a sophomore uh, at the University of Alabama and hopefully roll tide is happening right now uh, they're playing old miss so my son had was born with um, several uh, health 
ver- uh, crises, actually. He had open-heart surgery on day two. Oh, he, wow. Um, he was a kid who um, had two open-heart surgeries and four brain surgeries before he was, um, you know, a toddler. Um, and he had, really shouldn't have survived. But because of that, and he got great health care and, and he did survive, um, my, uh, I decided to try to raise money for Children's Hospital to, give, to, to make sure other kids had the same opportunities at great health care that my son did. And, um, and with that, um, I learned I don't play golf, but rich people play golf, and they, that's where they like to spend rich money. Rich people can't afford to play right, golf. Right, exactly. So, so, I, um, I, I, so I held a golf tournament. Uh, and a buddy of mine named Steve Wynn, who uh, uh, of Las Vegas fame, um, it, it was helping me with it for several years. And one day he asked me, "Hey, where do you hold that golf tournament?" And I said, uh, I, t- "I told him the golf course in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, right outside of D.C." And he said, "Oh, my friend Donald Trump just bought that." And he said, "Maybe he'll help you with his golf tournament when you're planning the next one. Call me." This is in 2010, and so like a month later, I call Steve Wynn, and he introduced me to. Donald Trump got me on the phone with him right there. I was talking to the two of them on the phone at the same time. It was a pretty surreal a moment to be no talking kidding, to two man. billionaires at the same time. But but I got to know I, I went up to New York maybe a few weeks later and got to know uh, Mr. Trump and he started helping me with the golf with, with my charity. And he wrote a check to Children's Hospital and cool. he donated many things for for golf and uh, at the time the number one show uh, The Apprentice and um, he he helped me raise probably a hundred thousand dollars a year just himself on top of everything else we did he was an amazing uh, supporter but that's how I got to know him is and he doesn't tell anybody those types of things he doesn't do to your point is that you know the media makes him out to be what the the character that they want him to be seen of course. as but he is a a great, great guy, a great man, great to be around. Um, and um, I've enjoyed um, knowing him for the last 12 years. Don't get me wrong, there's been challenges in our relationship. And and when you spend, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with somebody, uh, you know, uh, it's it's just like with my wife. <laughs> well, she Actually, that's what she says. Um, but uh, it, it's it, it, he's a, he's an amazing guy, and and I'd like to tell those stories so that people know he's got a he's got a big heart. We'll get back to our interview in just a second. An obscene profit timeout. This segment of the program is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or even a giant warehouse, you should call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter what type of metal structure you've been thinking about. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. New episodes of Cowboy State Politics are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. Every Thursday, beginning at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. 
You can find the link to the live stream at CowboyStatePolitics.com or at the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's winter and it's cold out. This morning, it's 21 degrees in Buffalo, Wyoming. When I step outside, the first thing that starts to get cold are my feet. And once that happens, I'm cold all the way through and all day long. So when I go outside for long periods of time, I've started to wear socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. These things are amazing. They're probably the best pair of wool socks that I've ever worn. And if you want your feet to stay all nice and toasty warm all winter long, then you should really try them out. You can find them at thebuffalowoolco.com. That's the Buffalo Wool Company. And tell them that David sent you. And now, the conclusion to my interview with David Bossy. So we just finished watching your movie, Rigged. Um, great movie, by the way. Thank you very much. A lot of what I do is point out where the liberal press in Wyoming is misleading people. <laughs> you're, that, you're busy. I'm a busy guy. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's the main reason I started this program and why it's so popular. What we're seeing in Arizona right now are the same conditions that allowed a lot of the things we saw in the 2020 election to happen. You know, the drawn-out counties and the ridiculous procedures they have surrounding it. So in your opinion, David, what do we do to stop that? I mean, we're watching it in real no, time. I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't have an exact answer, but I can tell you for 220 years or however long we've been doing uh, voting <laughs> by, you know, uh, one person, one vote, um, we've, uh, we had an election day <laughs> and we had a winner that night uh, and we voted on pa with paper ballots. Um, and it worked fine. And it worked fine. Uh, and sure, it, new technology is fantastic. But when you have security issues, you, you have to reevaluate whether it's of, of value or not, whether it's more valuable to do it that way or not. And they create, they seem to be creating more problems than they solve. Uh, we're sitting here doing this interview many days, many, many days after Tuesday's election. Yep. Um, this is Saturday evening. Yes. And they're, they're all uh, kind of blending together. Yeah. They? Yeah, they are. But but that's you know um, you're, you're talking about five days later, and we still don't know the results of congressional races. Yeah, we don't congressional know races, folks. Not 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 go, not the governor of California or New York, where there's ten million votes. We're talking about a congressional race with 150,000 votes or 200,000 votes total. Um, we don't know the results. How is that possible? Um, how is it possible if we're doing it the right way? I think we have to have a serious conversation in this country about getting away from election month and getting back to election day. I, 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 look, I think that there needs to be um, absentee ballots, but for only those very, who really very need few it, right? There need, but they, but they need. To, but okay, I agree. Yes, but so we have them, and but we have a lot fewer of them. We have to stop this massive mail-in ballot program. Um, 
And if you do those things, if you do those things, the Dropbox type issues take care of themselves. I can't. We have those in Wyoming, David. Right, right, right. right. There's no reason for it. Well, look, if I was to argue uh, for them, I would say somebody in Wyoming would have to, who has a long distance to go, which in Wyoming is everywhere. Is everywhere. I mean, I had a couple uh, of uh, folks who drove 200 miles to come here to then just drive 200 miles back. And they're like, that's what we do in Wyoming. You know, I mean, in DC, you take a plane (laughs) here, you just drive. And so, you know, you could say if you're going to, if you want to vote, you could be harmed by only being able to go to drop off your ballot at a preset time where there's open office hours. And if you're working like most people here in Wyoming, you are, you're, you're harmed by that. So a Dropbox could be beneficial to making sure people have access to voting. But come on, we're dealing with, if you solve those other problems, the Dropbox problem goes, doesn't go away completely, but it really minimizes it. Look, I, I, think, I think we need to find ways to solve these problems that are common sense and logical um, and, and not let the Democrats just argue that we're election deniers and anything we do or say, you know, is, is, is unfounded or not the right way to go. I think it's important that we get away from election month and back to election day. And I think fundamentally we need to get back to paper ballots because you can use all the electronic equipment and tabulators and all that to feed the ballots and count the ballots that way. But I just, I think we had a, 200 years of success doing it that way. And now it, it shouldn't be looked at as, as, uh, as, as a crazy idea. I think it should be. I think it's very much common sense. Okay, so I mentioned the press in Wyoming. And one of the guys that was in the room when we were watching your movie, I'm, I can't wait to read the article he's going to write about today. So I just wanted to ask you one more question about your movie. I think one of the biggest problems we have is uh, voter apathy. And, you know, people, a lot, half the registered voters in Wyoming vote in the election, half. How would you respond to this question, that a lot of what Zuckerberg did, you know, with his $400 billion, was a, get a, a giant get-out-the-vote campaign? Isn't getting people to the polls a good thing? It is, if it's done fairly. The, 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 the problem with Zuckbucks is that it was, um, that it was on a percentage basis, hyper-focused on turnout in Democrat in 2020 pro-Biden areas so that it was going to benefit one party over the other. And that is what can skew an election. And that's why I say that Mark Zuckerberg put his thumb on the scale um, of the 2020 election in the days, weeks, and months leading up to the election as opposed to uh, on election day. Uh, he, he set the ground rules using COVID as a guise um, to say that, oh, I'm just going to give out this money to get people to the polls, to your question. And it turns out that, you know, as I point out in the film, um, you know, sure, there was a lot of five and $10,000 grants that went to red counties, what, you know, what we'll call red counties, Republican counties. And pennies Who cares? by comparison. Yeah. I don't care. Like, I don't care that a majority of the grants went to Republican counties. Again, I don't care. It's 
where did follow the money? And it's and it's uh, there's a, there was a hundred and sixty very cr- uh, um, scientific grants of four hundred thousand dollars or more that made the difference. And of that money, that those hundred and sixty grants of four hundred thousand dollars or more totaled two hundred and seventy-two million dollars. And ninety-two percent of that two hundred and seventy-two went to Democrats. went to, to Joe Biden one districts. That's why I say he put his thumb on the scale. Okay, well, we're getting a little bit long. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me. And again, thanks for coming all the way out here to Wyoming. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. This is a beautiful part of the country. I don't get out here enough, uh, but when I, when I do come, uh, I, I, it, it reinforces why I have to come back. Uh, and I was just out in South Dakota um, October 1st, so it's been, um, you know, several, it's been six weeks or so, but it's just, uh, it's so beautiful out here. Uh, and the rest of America, you guys don't want them to come no. out here, <laughs> but, no. but the, uh, the rest of America should learn how beautiful this country really is. Well, we always say that Wyoming is what America was. And, you know, we also a- say that Wyoming isn't real. <laughs> well, that's just to chase everybody away, Ken. Yeah. Well, David, thank you very much. Hey, thank I you really very much. really appreciate, appreciate it. you. Thanks so much, guys. Well, that'll do it for this installment of Weekend Update. Have a good rest of your weekend. On Monday's edition of Morning Reload, I'll have interviews from the House Republican caucus vote that's happening later today. It's going to be a big day, and I'll make sure you know about it. From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.